Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Sid Beef Podcast. I have your host, Gary Hill, and with me is Jamie. Hello, everyone. Good morning. How are you? I am doing well. That's great. Also with us, uh, in great, great spirits is Suzanne. How are you doing, Suzanne? Good morning. I'm here. Kinda. Kinda. <laughs> And Iris is here, the whole crew, people. How you doing, Iris? Pretty good. That's good. That's good. Oh, man. I guess we'll start the show off the same way we started every show. And I'll ask Iris, what has she been watching lately? I watched last night Wonderland because, well, I just finished listening to the Wonderland Murders podcast. And I remembered that I had seen that movie, you know, a bit back. So I had to revisit it and... I forgot what an awesome job Val Kilmer does as John C. Holmes because he really does in that movie. And then uh, just this and that TV shows, you know, the usual, you know, their life is fucked up so I feel better about myself kind of stuff. And that's about it. Okay, Suzanne. Oh, God. uh, Once again, one of those weeks I have like so little attention span. But I did catch a movie. I was really surprised on Shutter that my husband picked called The Quiet Earth. I watched that last week, and I was—I had heard of it, but I'd never watched it. And it's—you can't—I I really can't call it post-apocalyptic or dystopian. But there were three actors in the movie that something had gone horribly wrong with the scientific experiments, and humanity is completely wiped out with the exception of these few people. And, you know, I was expecting at least one gang of of roving lunatics to, you know, steal and murder, and that didn't happen. But it was just, like I said, a very low-key drama, and it's it, it really leaves a lot of questions. So if you get a chance, it is on Shutter. Watch The Quiet Earth. Um, yeah, just still not... Just haven't had the... I don't know. I just haven't really been able to sit and watch anything. We did watch um, Cruel Jaws, and I'm usually very partial to Italian Jaws, Italian ripoff Jaws movies. And once again, I I don't know. I just really didn't like this movie. I liked it, but I didn't like it. There are some funny things in it, but yeah, just. I, I, I'm honestly starting to think I'm going to have to rewatch it because my mood's been pretty sour lately. <laughs> and that's pretty much about it. And yeah, the Wonderland movie was really, really good. I've been trying to find a decent book that covers the Wonderland murders. So if you can come up with one, let me know. Um, Don, um, well, not the murder itself. I think uh, Don Scheller, who was, you know, the 15 year old that he groomed for himself. Um, he, uh, she wrote a, a book and it was called Surviving Wonderland. So, I mean, oh, you cool. uh, check that one out. All right. Thank you. Jamie. Well, we did some Jaws 1 and 2 for 4th of July. And then we watched Uncle Sam because I'd never seen it. And uh, then Brian got some things in for review. So, like, one of them was... Zombie 3, which I had never seen, it's, which is like a mishmash of directors. I mean, it's credited to Fulci, but you can't blame him for that 
(laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. And, um, yeah, I mean, you can kind of tell the parts that Fulci did direct. Basically, I think the story is he did like 40% of the movie. (laughs) And he's like, here's your fucking movie. I'm done. And then, um, I want to say Bruno Mattai came in. Um, and you can definitely see the differences. Uh, they have very two very distinct styles, and uh, it's just uh, sadly it's not very good. But then another one that he got, which was one that I'd never seen, called Shocking Dark, which is a Fargazzo, Bruno Mattai, Alien Terminator ripoff that is so horrible. I mean, and they just pull, I mean, just direct things. I mean, they, you, it's, it's not even like a, Hey, this is kind of inspired by, um, I mean, they pull just actual straight, straight scenes from aliens and I already don't like aliens. So (laughs) watching an, a ripoff of that film does not make it any better. Um, and a lot of times I enjoy them, and I I don't have any hatred for Bruno. I I enjoy a lot of his films, but this one, I just it was so not good, and it was so boring. But you know that's what happens, I guess. And it just it never ceases to amaze me how he's basically made an entire career off of you know just remaking other people's movies and i mean and getting away with it you know it just that i just think that's hilarious <laughs> like oh. oh he also did cruel jaws that i just watched oh and see and there if you if you have an italian ripoff chances are he had something to do with it i mean that's just the and i mean i pref- i love the italian ripoffs they're just there's usually more blood guts and right boobs and this one I don't know. I just, I, I think the ending just ruined it for me. And it was, I mean, he directly stole stuff from, oh God, uh, Great White, Jaws 2. I mean, direct. Yeah, I mean, that's his like favorite thing to do. And, uh, which I usually get a kick out of. Um, there's a zombie film that he did that's basically, I mean, he straight, even just straight up pulled the music from Dawn of the Dead, but I can't think of what the name of it is. What that? What's that is? The Bruno Matai zombie movie. Oh, uh, I think it was Gates of Hell. Okay, maybe City of the Living Dead. Oh, that's bullshit. I can't remember. Um. Anyway, the it's it's actually fun. Like it's I really get a I really get a kick out of it. I think it's it's hilarious. But this Nightmare City. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But this. uh, Thank you. Um. Uh, the shocking dark is I cannot, I cannot recommend it. Even if you love the Italian ripoffs, don't is just so not fun. I did, I had no fun, <sighs> zero fun. I had the opposite of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's about. Oh, we also watched a Kevin Costner film that I had never heard of, and I guess it was recommended to Brian by a friend of his. <clears throat> it called the New Daughter. And I'd never heard of it, clearly never seen it. And I thought, well, it must be a new movie. No, it's from 2009, but okay. (laughs) So anyway, we watched it and uh, then 
Brian bought it um, because it was pretty good. I I was impressed. It's um, I mean Kevin Costner moves to um, the country with his son and his daughter. He he's a recently divorced author, and so he moves into a new house and they discover this strange mound on their property, and. Uh, then, you know, the lore behind the mound and then, you know, something happens. And I don't want to give anything away because I really do recommend that people watch this movie. I had no idea it was even out there. And now I feel really bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kevin Costner. I didn't know you did this. And it was I, I really enjoyed it. So it was pretty original, I think, too. So that's all that always gets big points with me. And I'm really shocked that I didn't hear anything about it at the time. It just sort of slipped right under the radar. So uh, I do recommend that. Seek that out. Cool. Uh, I watched a couple things. I watched, and uh, <clears throat> this really hurts, uh, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, I, I finally saw, and uh, or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. And, um, mm, I'm kind of sore on it a little bit, actually. I'm, I'm a big fan of the series, but I, I uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't feel needed to be in there. I mean, the, the so many so many side plots and subplots of this movie. I mean, the dinosaurs are clones. The little girl's a clone. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> it's, everybody's a fucking clone. You get you get four minutes of Jeff Goldblum in this movie. You got you got really excited for Jeff Goldblum. If you really did, the, the don't get too excited because he's like, this is the cautionary tale told by Jeff Goldblum at the beginning and the end of this movie and nothing else. I think it would have had more impact if his final line wasn't not just the title of this film but the title of the previous film. So like we we have been with this. You know, we've been with the term Jurassic World for several years now. You know, and he sort of delivers that welcome to Jurassic World. Like, yeah, we've been there. Like, we, <laughs> we're we there. We know. Uh, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I mean, because I'm a huge fan of, of the series. Oh, I nerd I nerd cry through the whole thing. And, um, I mean, the first time we see Blue, I'm bawling my face oh. off. Me too, me too. Um. I, every time we see a scene in any Jurassic movie where you see a Tyrannosaurus like just stand and 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 roar, I cry. Um, first time, still watching the original Jurassic Park the first time. I'm um, we get that that Laura Dern reaction. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I cry. I mean, I can't. I'm crying right now. I can't help it. I I I see trailers. I cry and. Um, so I do love it for that for that reason. If not, I do feel like a, a lot of the the beats were very predictable, as in like you know that this is going to happen. You know that this character is going to do this any minute. So you're just waiting for them to do it, and uh, and I mean like a dinosaur. <laughs> um, but the one thing that upset me, honestly, was that I don't feel like it had a happy ending. And it didn't. That's my favorite part about the movie was it made me really excited for the next one. You know, I just well, I mean, and what I mean is happy for the dinosaurs. I don't care about the people. I don't I mean, I don't care about the <laughs> the world and them wreaking havoc. 
I, that would make me happy. Go wreak havoc, do it. But I worry for them because like they're the, they're the only ones of their species and now they're out and running around and that's not safe. You know, and when Blue goes running off into the woods, it breaks my heart because what's going to happen to her? Uh, Blue is an apex predator, honey, and he can take care of himself, man. I mean, they could get hit by a car. You don't know. I'm, I'm getting upset. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, you're so cute, babe. <laughs> oh, there was this. It just made me sad. That's all. But I did. I did. Overall, I did really enjoy it, but it just makes me sad. I, I did. Yeah, li- I did. I... Oh, I'm sorry. No, sorry. I was just going to say what I enjoyed was all these cool little nods to all of the movies up to this one. I like, did like that. Oh, man. I, and every time I saw it, I was like, oh, oh, that's from the blah, blah, blah. And oh, oh, that's from what? And, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I I, I don't know. I yeah, really liked the movie. Stomping the, the late. I don't know. It was, well, I remember, it was, a, it was a Lado in the first movie, you know, to distract uh, the dinosaur. And uh, a <laughs> <laughs> uh, dinosaur. Uh, I love the, that was pretty good. I, I love the, I love that Jamie Cromwell showed up in this movie, but only to be killed yes. by somebody. But you know, yeah, he wasn't wasted. That was fine. Uh, but there was the, this thing. Every other Jurassic Park we did this thing. Even the last one, it took a good forty five minutes to see that the big dinosaur. And there was a lot of build up to it. This one is, hey, we just made this new dinosaur, and you know what? Here he is at the end of the movie, and here's how you control him. Which they weren't in the room when they, they, they taught today. They, they, they were telling people how, okay, here's this laser pointer, and here's the button that's going to tell them what to do. All of a sudden, Bryce Dallas Howard is fucking on the fucking rainy ass roof with this fucking weapon, and she knows just how to use it. It's just, it's just, no. Like, you weren't in the room when this happened, honey. Yes, she was. She was upstairs watching. She was waiting for that fucking thing, but I forget the name of the dinosaur. He, he was in the Lost World. To, to ram his head through the wall, you know, which that that that, that was a fun. Part I uh, I wasn't nuts about that. We just made this new dinosaur out of part of this other dinosaur yes. that we made. You know, I mean, it's just like it's just like we're just gonna keep making, keep making. And I'm like, we did this in the last movie. We made that new dinosaur. Now we're just gonna take that dinosaur and make an even newer dinosaur. And I'm just like, uh, um, it's it's just. Oh man! And the thing is, I love it because I love it because I, I, I don't really care what they could do. I would always love it. I'm I'm just that. I mean, you know, what I'm saying there, there was a big. I'm that into the. I'm that devoted to the series. It's kind of like Walking Dead. You know, <laughs> no matter how devoted. many times they, they <laughs> piss me off, I I will always love it. And it's just that's just the way I am. I'm that loyal. But I there were things that I wish were a, a little different, but. I still got, you know what? They still made me cry. And that was when we were leaving. I was just like, oh, and Brian's like, it still made you cry. And I'm like, yeah, it did. So I guess there's that. Oh, I didn't think the score was there enough, not nearly enough. And I, I was like, that's because that, those musicals, those John Williams swells, that's what makes those moments in Jurassic Park. So whenever you get those reveals of anything and the, and the score swells and you know, it's coming and then it just, that is like what builds the emotion. And I don't feel like this score used any of you use the Jurassic Park music nearly enough or hardly at all. And I think that was a big misstep. Also, 
I've been saying this from the very beginning. We finally got some good action in the last film, and I was hoping to continue that with this. More water dinosaurs. I want more water dinosaurs. Right. Those are my favorites. I love the part. And the part at the end is very simple. When with the surfers, they're showing the surfers. No, I do love that. See all the I, dead I do ones in the water. So we got a little bit. We got a little bit in the beginning and a little bit in the end. And I really wanted just more because I was hoping that since they established <laughs> that character in the last film, that we would get more of. And we had such a strong opening with it in this film. I was hoping to get more of it, but we didn't. So I. Um, I did have my own, but that's more of a, if I could make a Jurassic, you know, if I could make a Jurassic World movie, this is what I would do kind of thing, you know? And so, uh, you know, I guess what am I bitching about? Well, two, <laughs> two things that I liked about it that I didn't expect to like was the, 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 the really, you know, uh, the archival footage of Owen playing with the baby velociraptors. I really liked that, those scenes. Oh, that was so cute. And uh, the little girl, although she was a clone, she had more personality than any kids that came before her. So I hate <laughs> I hate all the children of these Jurassic movies, including Malcolm's daughter, who did more than any other any of them ever did with the gymnastics and shit, whatever. But um, this one was, was the best one out of all of them, you know? I still say that first movie would a whole lot better. They killed Tim off in the, the, mid, the, mid of the <laughs> middle of the movie. If Tim would die in the tree, <laughs> go way back to episode, to episode one of the of the podcast, people, where I just berate this small child, <laughs> and I think I say I don't recall, but I that movie's why that kid got AIDS in that Cure movie with, with um with with uh, Brad Renfro from way back when. Yeah, Tim sh- Tim should have been dead, bad man. But uh, <laughs> I'm done berating children. <laughs> Fuck that kid though. <laughs> We'll be doing that in a little bit anyway. He is. He is. <laughs> I was gonna say, no, you're not done. We. <laughs> it's, it's like, look, look how much bigger this guy's right? book is than you. I'm not gonna go in. Go listen to episode one and be me just ripping apart this small child. Uh, um, I rewatched because uh, our friend of uh, the show and master of Eric Roberts is the fucking mad podcast. Doug Tilly uploaded them to YouTube. Uh, the old school horror hall of fame shows from the '90s. I, I rewatched those because, um, you know, the, you, you watch them now. There's some funny bits in there, and it's not a whole lot that you don't know now with the little vignettes they have in there and stuff. But back then, I think the first one came on in 1990 when I didn't know nothing about horror, and I wasn't even watching horror because I was a little bitch. Um, I, I was I watched those on on TV. I think they came on like locally, like local channel 50 here or something. And those little vignettes were before DVD extras. They were before Charles Band's Video Zone. So there's very little of that material out there for you to get any insight on the films you're watching or even learn to say, hey, maybe I should watch this film now, with the exception of, like, Terror from the, from the Isles, like the, the, the clip shows. So seeing, like, um, the creators talk about them in, like, these little vignettes... Like, I've never seen Night of the Living Dead at that point. I've never seen Alien at that point. I've never seen any of this stuff at that point, really. So, it could really churn you on. Even if you have small children now, they've never seen this, these things. You know they have all the boobs and blood cut out of, out of them, so it's just telling you about the movies and having people from the movies talk about them. So, if you haven't had your kids check out these Horror Hall of Fame shows yet, and you want to get them, to, get them into horror, I'd say, uh, check them out. Doug Tilly uploaded them for you and me. So, there you go. You guys remember those at all? 
I've never heard of it. Uh, Robert Englund's the host of them. They're actually pretty fun. Although, don't watch Horror Hall of Fame 3, because uh, I think they had, like, one vignette on there, and the amazing Jonathan doing stuff. You guys remember that guy, right? Uh, I don't know, but... Uh, no. <laughs> one, of those, one of those Vegas magicians that was slightly big. Okay. Um, what else? I've been rewatching Smallville, which is really awkward now, seeing that uh, Allison Mack is into all that weird sex cult stuff now, so <laughs> you see wholesome Chloe Sullivan on Smallville, you know, just thinking about what kind of, kind of freaky shit she's into now. I was like, yeah, this is kind of awkward. But, you know, it, it's okay, because it still plays pretty well. This was a show that was made before they had, like, eight CW superhero shows out at once. They only had, like, the one, and it was it was fine where it was, so they made it that more special. I remember seeing the trailer for it at, like, my second Comic-Con ever, and, <clears throat> yeah, it was a pretty big deal. Um, I did not watch Cruel Jaws, because I was not home for that, so that that's out for me. Um, what else did I watch? It was, it was something else. I can't really recall what that was. Um... So I'm going to skip over it, because I can't recall what that was. Uh, but the next segment would be that special segment known as the Beef Bitches and Mashed Potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. The barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Iris, what you beefing on, girl? People not following instructions, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes for late nights. Very, very late nights. And you miss podcasts and stuff. So, yeah, I'm not happy about that. And, you know, pretty much that's all I'm going to say. Because <laughs> I don't want to get mad again. <laughs> but it all turned out good. And everybody's happy now, so that's you know that's a plus, and you know I I earned my salary, so good on me, and that's all I'm saying. She, she works, Next, please. She works hard. <laughs> she works hard for the money, so hard for it, honey. Oh yeah. S- speaking of which, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> give me the grits, baby. What are you talking about? I now? do work hard. <laughs> God damn it. Um. Well, you know. Iris, because we didn't get to record on Friday, I got to spend Friday night watching season two of Glow on Netflix. Uh-oh. And that was... I watched that too. Perfect. So, um, and now I get to spend my Sunday afternoon with uh, with you guys. And so, worked out for me. I'm sorry you had to work so much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but um, <laughs> But it did work out well for me, so... That's uh, awesome. By the way, season two of Glow was amazing. I, I just love that show. I do. I was a big fan of the original series. and um, But even if you did not watch the original series, you can totally appreciate this one and get something out of it. And I just think that the writing is so good and the characters are fun. And yeah, I mean, plus it, it does it takes place in the 80s and then you... You, they do some amazing things. Like I know this is not what we're talking about. <laughs> it's supposed to be beefing here, but um, they do some really amazing things. And if especially if you were around in the '80s, you get it immediately without them having to like beat you over the head with it. So, 
It's very cool. Hmm. Uh, as far as a beef, I had one yesterday, and um, now I can't remember what it was. That's good, though. Yeah, I mean, so I guess I let it go. It wasn't anything really serious anyway. Like, it wasn't, it was sort of an innocuous beef. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I for the life of me, I've got nothing bothering me at this moment. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm okay. <laughs> oh, Suzanne. Uh, I'm just going to try to keep it simple. Uh, people can't drive. Yeah. Construction sucks. <laughs> yes, it does. Can I just make one plea real quick? One more time, people <laughs> out there. <laughs> Watch Glow Season 2 on Netflix. It's amazing. Please, no. Please, <laughs> please, please put on your brake after you get into the turn lane. That's what it's for. You don't have to brake in the driving lane to move over into the turn lane. <laughs> and that just... It gets on my nerves. It's like there's a turn lane so that you don't hold up traffic. But, you know, people will come to practically a full stop in the driving lane and then scoot over into the turn lane. Oh, that's irritating. And stop it. Oh, in the, construct, in the construction zone, and you see that sign that tells you that the lane you're in is going to end. Don't speed up and cut off 10 people. Oh, God, oh. those jackasses. You know, I never let their asses in. Oh, I, know, I don't either. And at one point, this asshole in a big-ass SUV, I mean, literally, he pretty much forced me to let him in or he was going to crush my bumper. Like, crush away, dick. Yeah, really, I I could, I really need some, you know, I... I could use some insurance money. Yeah, I was driving in (laughs) and some idiot with a bunch of scrap on the back of his truck. It fell off and I was trying to ditch to try to get away from it. And, of course, some other fucker decides that he sees it, and he swerves around me, and I have to hit it. So I've got, like, a little scraping on that bumper. So if he hit that bumper, I could have gotten it repaired. I should have let him hit me. (laughs) And the little – we've got, like, a little mini mall down the road, and they're putting up a Krispy Kreme. So they've got part of this area, you know, chain link fenced off. Okay, there are still, okay, am I the only person that does this? There are clear driving areas and aisles that you park in. Do you know what I'm talking about? At, describe it again? Okay, now, well, I mean, when you're in a, at a, in a big parking lot, okay, um, you've got, you know, clear driving areas and aisles oh, that you park yes. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going through the driving area trying to, you know, getting up in front of my store so I can turn down the aisle to park. And because of all of this, some dickwad, I had just blows around the chain link, and there's a lot of cars there, so I couldn't see him. And I had to slam my brakes on. And then he just gives me this little wave, like, oh, oh my God, I, if it wasn't for, you know, this whole uh, buying a house, and I really can't afford for Pat to have to bail me out of jail. <laughs> And, and it's like nothing happened. I I just, oh my God. I, and it's going to be like that. It's going to be worse because they're putting a Krispy Kreme in. Yeah, you, so you're going to get all these hot donuts. All these sugar fanatics you, that are going to. You think they're, you think they're, you think they're nuts <laughs> now until that red light comes on so they've got the hot glaze there, yo. It's on yeah, now. Oh, God. You cross well, six I mean, lanes of traffic for a hot donut sign. Oh, it's, it's going to be 
awful. I'm going to have to find a different PetSmart to go to. Because <laughs> I just, I, I'm not a sweet person. I don't, I don't do sweet. <laughs> That was funny. No, go ahead. It's true in every sense of the word. I am not a nice person. But yeah, (laughs) this is just going to be a freaking nightmare. I really wish they would have found somewhere else to put the fucking Krispy Kreme. (laughs) You you, you don't even want that hot glazed right now, Suzanne. Oh, just, just think no, about no, it. No, 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 no. Yeah. I just, I just don't do sweets. And it's going to be a fucking nightmare when that sign goes on because, you know, eight people are going to be like, oh, my God, hot donuts. Let me cut everybody off, especially this silver car right here. It's like <laughs> I've got a cosmic pick me sign on my back or my bumper. <laughs> you know, the other day, too, I was driving down this road. And this is a very busy intersection that I was coming up to. The light was green, but the car in front of me decided to stop so that they could let out a car that was coming out of a parking lot. And so we get all backed up because they decide to just stop randomly and let this car out while the light is green. And then the light starts to turn and they floor it to make sure their ass gets through the light and I'm stuck. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like, it just, look, I understand you want to let this car out. I get that. But if we all obey the traffic signals, then things will work out fine. (laughs) And then maybe if the assholes that get stopped at the red light when it turns red, if they won't block that enter, if they won't block that turn in, that car can get out naturally. So maybe we just all try not to be assholes and then traffic will flow smoothly but because you decide you want to randomly stop then all of these people back here got stuck behind a light that they didn't need to get stuck behind and which backs up traffic even farther down the road basically you just caused a chain reaction of asshole and <laughs> pissed me off so like and this car that needed to turn out they would eventually gotten to turn out honestly that's their problem you know, if they if they had gone the other end of the of that parking lot, they could have gone out at a light. They chose not to do that, so that's on them. <laughs> but just why would you stop when the traffic light is green? That's your opportunity to go. But see, what pissed me off about that is they made sure they went. They they were like, oh no, it's going to turn, so they floored it and stuck everybody else. Yeah, like you're a dick. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> oh. Mine's not about traffic. Mine's not really about anything that pertains to me directly, but uh, a story came across uh, the news, the entertainment news feed, about an actress who I find not only beautiful, but I find her, I respect her very much, but uh, Scarlett Johansson got a role playing playing a, a transgender person in, in a movie, and these people on Twitter, or these transgender people, which I, I love transgender people, I'm you know for the most part, but these ones are just attacking this woman, you know, saying, you know, they should have gave it to, to one of us, and yada, yada, yada. Now, the question you got to ask yourself is, <clears throat> if you're take, making a movie about a transgender person, which is a it's a touchy subject as it is, you know, for, for, for the masses, not me, not anybody else that I really know, but for, like, to, to sell a movie, you need to put a face on that, and why not Scarlett Johansson? Now, if they were to get a trans actress to play the trans, act, the trans role in the film... Uh, you know, that that would be them saying, hey, look, what are they doing now? They got Miss Universe, they have a transgender in there. 
I think they have a transgender in the swimsuit issue of the Sports Illustrated. But they made it a point to say, hey, look, we, we got a real one here. You know, that's not praising. That's exploitation. And that's, that's, would that really be good for this person to be in this movie for that reason? I don't know. But I know that at a studio standpoint, if you're going to sell a movie, you got to have a face to sell a movie, especially with a controversial subject. No, Nobody bitched when Hilary Swank played, uh, um, was it Brandon, um, what's that person's last name? Oh, and Boys Don't Cry. Uh, Brandon and Tina. Yeah, Brandon and Tina. Nobody, nobody bitched then. Nobody bitched when um, there was another one. Uh, Jared Leto won an Oscar Jared, for Dallas Buyers Club. Nobody bitched, which, about, nobody bitched about that either. Just, well, I mean, he actually said after this Scarlett Johansson thing came out, he actually said he wouldn't accept the role if it was offered to him now. I'm like, uh, you know, I just... Look at the back. Like, I though. get it. I mean, she got, I, I, she got balls, though. She, she stood up for herself, which I respect her very much for, you know. I mean, honestly, if I were in her position, I don't know if I would have a different reaction because I'm doing I'm trying to do a job. This is my job. I'm earning a living. If I'm offered this chance to do a job, I probably am going to do it. You know, if I if I like the content, you know, and I, I just don't. I mean, oh. I mean, it's a, it's a very difficult thing, yes. But I think what it boils down to for the studio is, exa- I mean, you're exactly right. It's money, and it's they have to look at who's going to, you know, what's going to bring in money because they're in the business of making money. That's what they're in the business of doing, and that's what that's that, so that's all they see is who's going to make us money. So we also have to look at the demographic. Who's going to go see this movie? So you have to attract well, that demographic and if you're going to use somebody you know let's say a transgender actress who um nobody knows versus a big name just like you said they're gonna go for the big name because as jamie's saying you gotta make money you gotta put those seats in the you gotta fill those seats yeah i mean that's the that's the only thing studios are in the business to do and producers that's their job is we got to figure out a way to make money. I mean, the artist in the film, they they are in the business of wanting to make good film, you know, if they're if they actually care about the art. But the producers and the studio, they're in the business of making money. Yeah. And that's that's their only job, and they have to figure out how to do that. And her only job is acting. And, you know, she probably wants to do that. So, I I don't think that accepting a role like that is is disrespectful to that community. I, I don't. I, I think that if you wanted to be disrespectful to that community, you wouldn't accept a role like that. You know, you'd say "fuck off." You know, but the fact that you're willing to, or you know, interested in portraying a character like that, I think that that you know is probably the opposite of disrespectful, or at least that's how I would look at it. I don't know, but I I agree with you on that. And once again, this is yet another example of armchair activism. I'm just, yeah. I mean, I just, oh my God. It's just, it's just, I swear to God there, and there, there are things out there that are truly deserving of, of being offended by, but I swear to God, there are people whose sole career is to sit around and look for reasons to be offended. 
And am I saying that we that we don't need more representation from the trans community? Of course not. I think we do. I, do, I mean, I really think we do. And I'm happy whenever I do see it. But, again, I mean, until we have, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a catch-22. I was going to say until we have big-name transgender actors who are going to draw the money, then they're not going to cast them. But then how can we have big-name transgender actors to draw the money if no one casts them? So, you know, I I get that, too. It's just, it's... um. I don't, I mean, I don't know. No, that goes, it goes with anything, really. Politics, you know, movies, anything like that. You could, you, you could take a chance on this, this person. Yeah, they, and they could. You know, I'm not saying these, these transgender women are not capable of, of playing a role as good as Scarlett Johansson. It's just, you know, from a studio point of view, they have this actress who's already established, who has chops. They watch out, watch under the skin if you don't think Scarlett Johansson doesn't have chops. It's, it's, no, she and she definitely does that thing, and she's not just a pretty face. She, she does have talent, and also this is made by this. This is being made by the same director, who she just went through this whole thing. Um, yeah, when they're going to start. Yeah, when they're going to the start term? using that term, okay. gender washing. They're gender washing. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I mean, I, in a sense, I get it. You know, fine, but again. It's all about the money. It is. And, that's all it's ever been about. I mean, yeah. as far as as far as Hollywood is concerned, that's their goal. That's their job. Well, well, well let's so. say let's say they're putting thirty million dollars into this movie. I mean, craft service got to get paid. I mean, the actors got to get paid. The grips got to get paid. Everybody got to get paid. You know, to to do this movie. So they got to recoup some of that. And you know, and so many films losing money nowadays. It, it's it's crazy. You know, it's. I mean, I'm sure Scarlett Johansson's fetching six million dollars a movie by now. I'd imagine that's where she's at. I'm not the best at figuring this stuff out, but everybody's salary's got to get paid, and yeah, crazy. Well, also, this is the type of film that you typically expect to get a very limited release, um, maybe even around like award season. I mean, it's it's. To me, it's not it's not like blockbuster. It's not it's not a Marvel film. It's not a it's not a movie you expect to make hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, and they know this. So what is a good way to drum up curiosity about a film that most people may not even pay attention to because it doesn't have flashy things going on? Controversy. Yeah, I mean, it's that sells more than anything or maybe not as much as sex, but but controversy sells, too. So. Uh, honestly, this may be the best thing that's happened for this film. Maybe it will get people to see it who probably wouldn't even have noticed it on the radar. Yeah, yeah, I just uh, true. it's something that popped up, and I it it's upsetting, but it's not upsetting. Yeah, it's just one of those sales standpoint things. It's the same thing as any as any movie, I suppose, especially when something new comes out and people are all up in arms. We all know those people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we all know those people. But uh, nothing else really bugging me. It's uh, it's been pretty mild as far as weather goes, so I haven't been going too crazy. So that's a, that's a plus. Um, yeah, that's about it for that one. But uh, today we're gonna be discussing two films, uh, technically programmed by Jamie and Suzanne. So let, let's rock it out, uh, involving crazy children doing crazy things. Uh, Suzanne's pick, uh, Devil Times Five. She's been 
not goat me, but say, hey, when are we going to do this? And I said, we're doing it right now. And then Jamie said, hey, I'm going to do that picture that that picture that, that Suzanne was talking about, and we'll do it with the children from 1980. So we're doing the children from 1980. And uh, this is going to be a good time, i got a feeling. <laughs> but we're going to get into the devil times five right after this. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about Giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I'm Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Everyone has a secret nightmare about the ugliest way to die. Whatever yours may be, now it lives. What are you yelling about? If you take them in, you'll be taken in. Because there is no way to survive the Devil Times Five. What about those kids? You've got to be kidding. Whatever you think they are, they're not. Whatever you think they won't do, they will. They're piranha. You mean you feed those little babies to those big ugly things? Here, you want to feed them? (laughs) Not since Village of the Damned has death become so brutal or survival so hopeless. One by one. Body by body. Death will come in its most dreaded form. (laughs) 
They bring their own omen. And it is written in blood. The devil times five leaves nobody alive. Devil times five, 1974, a.k.a. People Toys, a.k.a. I Was Made for Slaying, a.k.a. Oh, damn, I had another one for that shit, too. It's involved with the, the Horrible House on the Hill. That one, too, yeah. <laughs> Good Lord, with the titles. Yes, indeed. No. I did, I was made for slaying for, for uh, I was made for dancing. Leif Garrett, who's in this movie, you know? Um, yeah, this also stars Sorrel Book, who's a boss hog to the masses from Duke's Hazard. Oh, some other folks that I recognize. Uh, Leif Garrett, I mentioned... Um, bunch of young kids. <laughs> Harvey Beckman. I love that character so much. Oh, uh, no. Oh, my you gosh. Yes, indeed. But, um, yeah, this film is about five tykes who are from a mental institution of, of some kind, some kind of children's mental ward, who, uh, either, <laughs> and I'd imagine from, from things that happened later in the movie, the brakes are bad on the van, piped in by one of these children, and uh, crashes into a crashes into a, a snow-filled mountain, and uh, they escape with their their nun counterpart to go terrorize these people in a mountain cabin, and uh, that's basically the plot to this movie. But um, <laughs> I'll ask Iris first what she thought of The Devil Times Five. Oh, it was just a cute little film. Um, I. <laughs> to me, it, well, it, was. It, it just felt like one of those wonderful exploitation films of uh, slash horror films where, you know, it, it it's the cabin film with the bad guys outside. That's basically what it is. But I found it kind of interesting um, that they spent more time with trying to develop the people in the cabin or a.k.a. the, the house than trying to develop the kids that you know their their background and stuff i would enjoy that a lot more because all the characters that they were developing um ended up dead <laughs> and i wanted to know more about the kids and and, and what you know, how are they going to survive what was going to happen to them out there you know and as they're leaving either the end the, the 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 scene that ends the whole thing is like well you know we're done playing with these toys you know we're moving out I would have liked more character development on them because they were just so they were entertaining, especially the little um, soldier boy. He was cute. He was the what the engineer, the way he hot damn. Yeah. Hot damn. Let's go. Um, He was (laughs) what he did to leave Garrett, how he set that up. I mean, that was like genius. I mean, come on. And um, of course you have the fire starter and that was, I mean, it was very obvious what these children were in for. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I thought it was kind of like this fun little romp with, with kids as killers. And I've always enjoyed those because as a child, I think I used to fantasize that I wanted to be like a hitman and stuff. I still do. But um, <clears throat> that's hot. You know, <laughs> I, I really do. I wish. Anyway, but um. Yeah, so it, it was fun. I had I had no idea this movie existed, and I'm kind of glad I I got to watch it because, um, it's it's like I said, it's one of those movies I really enjoy watching, and <laughs> uh, 
you know, and I guess they call it exploitation because really, you know, the sex scenes and the skin scenes, not necessary, but, you know, whatever. They're thrown in there. I guess to keep um, the audiences um, occupied and interested until the kids get there. Uh, and then the the whole, you know, Henry Beckman, or, or was it Harvey? Harvey, yeah. Harvey uh, Beckman, who was kind of like, uh, well, I don't know, it, he seemed to be kind of like the doormat guy, the alcoholic wife, and then the lovely... <laughs> the, the gold digger who wants to actually fuck David. I mean, really? I mean, is is the old man is Papa Doc? Oh, and then when they mentioned Papa Doc at the very beginning, it's like, what? They're going to Haiti? What? <laughs> but whatever. Either um, that or Detroit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it was cute. I I enjoyed it. It and like I said, I would have wished they focused more on the kids than they did on the adults because I think that would have been more fun to get a little bit more backstory on them and, and see where they were going and what they were going to go do. Um, but I did enjoy it. I liked it a lot. Supposedly this was movies that they had a, had their original director and they filmed a whole bunch of stuff that they deemed unusable when they switched to a new director. So you may have had a whole different story mixed in there before. So who knows? Yeah, that was- would have been yeah and i wonder if that's what it was is like you know oh we don't want to know about the kids they're just gonna be killing so who knows but i i did enjoy it i really did enjoy it cool i'll go to suzanne next yeah i i do i love this movie this is one of the movies that one of my favorite sub genres is killer kids yes I don't know why, and I think um, I went to high school. One of my friends that uh, that was his dream job was to be a hitman. I think we've oh. all we're either we're horrible people with really demented ideas, or this is just a normal thing. Well, Who knows? We're I think we're just honest with ourselves that you know we're a bit of a sociopath that, and we're okay with that. So this one. It's one of those movies I kept seeing clips of, and finally it showed up at my video store back in the day. And I was just hooked. It was, for me back then, it was kind of surprising to see Leif Garrett playing that. And I mean, you have this just, you have to admit, it's got a pretty incredible cast. And the blonde chick that played Julie, she was in Grizzly. And uh, Harvey Beckman's alcoholic wife. Uh, she is the uh, what's her face is made on Will and Grace. Yes, that's where I've seen her before. Yes, Rosario. Yeah, that is she is Rosario. So I was because I kept staring at her face. And I'm like, damn it, I'm gonna have to open up IMDb and see who she is. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But this one, I, there was only one thing I would have liked to see, and Iris touched on it a little bit. You know, it's like you could have cut some of the sex scenes and maybe just do a quick flashback as to what got the kid put in the hospital. I mean, the fire started. What did she burn the house down with her family in it? And, you know, the nun, was she a nun? Was she dressed like a nun? I don't know if she was a nun. If she was a nun, she was a she was a psychopathic nun. But I would have liked to have seen just a little bit of flashback on, you know, what got them in. And I, one of the funniest scenes for me is uh, toward the end after Julie gets the spear in the neck. Oh, God. And, <laughs> Amazing. And uh, he grabs the spear and knocks Leif Garrett down. And Leif is just down there. Look what you did to my pretty face. Look what you did to my face. I'm just, 
I howl every time I see that. It just cracks me up. But I mean, this was, I also think that this could have been a golden opportunity. You could have, I think you could have squeezed a sequel or maybe even gone into prequels about what the kids did. But I do, I just love this movie. It's got some great kills, creative kills. Um, the, The family dynamic at the house was, it's entertaining. You have to give it that. Papa Doc just rules everybody and you either do what he says or... You know, you just keep getting knocked down to the bottom of the food chain. And uh, lovely, for me, she was just, she was, I want to say she was kind of a throwaway character, but you kind of needed that for the cat fight. Oh, the cat fight. Oh, yeah, the cat fight. Another exploitation scene that really wasn't necessary, but, you know. Yeah, it it just, it kept you interested. It's like I was watching Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, I've always just truly enjoyed this movie. It's, I will grab it off the shelf every couple of years. I I finally stumbled upon it on one of the Mill Creek sets. And I'm like, oh my God. And then immediately after seeing how shitty it was, I had to go hunt down the Code Red DVD, which is actually, it looks beautiful. Um, Yeah, I love this movie. It's, It's just got everything. I love the ending because, well, Anybody who knows me knows I like the endings where everybody dies. That truly makes me happy. I don't want a happy ending. It's a horror movie. There shouldn't be a happy ending. No. Jamie. Well, I do not disagree with Iris. I do wish we got more info on the, well, and then I guess Iris and Suzanne. I I do wish we got more info on the kids. I found myself in the, beginning of the film or through the majority of the film feeling like I was watching two different movies because like we'd had this whole this whole dynamic going on with the adults in the film and they had their own dramatic thing going on and it was like it was it it was basically its own uh, it was like a fully composed dramatic thing and then we had the the kids storyline going on before they actually get to the house and even after they get to the house it still seemed very separate at times and i was like it's just it was bizarre to me like it was bizarre that they spent so much time on the 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 dramatic inner workings of papa doc and lovely and and how you know i want this I want this promotion, but I'm too scared to ask for it. And my wife is a raging alcoholic and they're just going to give her what, uh, what they say, a bottle of bourbon with a nipple on it. (laughs) Um, and to me, like that was very, those were all very interesting characters. I enjoyed watching those characters, but then I thought I was, to me, it took them a long time to bring the two groups together. And I felt like for this to be a film where ultimately the children are murderous I want to see more murderous children. And if this is going to be a film about these, these people, then that's a whole different thing. But I want to see these murderous children. And I, I, you know, I don't have a problem with films taking time to develop things, but I just felt like the way this was developed, it was very separate and it, it just didn't seem to, it didn't seem to very cohesive to me. And then and then we get to the to the end where everything starts to go haywire and, you know, they realize what's going on. And then you've got the sort of cat and mouse going on with the kids. And that's when I really get drawn in. And 
my favorite thing in the whole film is the the very ending where we get the scene of them with the corpses, playing with the corpses, talking about how they're going to then move on uh, because they're done with those toys. To me, that little snippet right there, that scene is my favorite part of the whole film. It is incredibly dark. It actually reminds me specifically of the attic in Texas Chainsaw where like you run upstairs and then the grandparents are up there. Um, or the, is it two, which Texas Chainsaw is that? It's one of them. Is, is it, it the first? One? I don't remember where the grandmother stuffed. Oh, it's the first one because in the second one she's in the she's at Nom the grandmother's at Nomland. Um, uh, but yeah, in the first one when the like she goes running upstairs and and she's like, oh help me, help me, help me, and then she oh, sees yeah, that yeah, they're yeah. actually dead. Um, it's that setting reminded me of that and I just thought you know wow it is incredibly dark and very cool I um I just I love the idea of them just playing with corpses like they're nothing I mean that's that's awesome I just wish yeah I wish I knew more about these kids I wanted to see more of these kids and and while I enjoyed characters the adult characters and i actually was into the their whole dr dramatic thing like i was fine with that i just didn't feel like it it fit well with what was you know the really the main idea of this film and so i was like why are we learning so much about them we don't need to know that much about them because it's ultimately not about them i want to know more about what's actually what this is actually about and so um but Gary saying what you said about, and I was not aware of the production issues. I wasn't either. So that actually makes a lot of sense, I guess. Uh, I would, now I would like to know more, like maybe uh, dig a little deeper and see exactly what went on and exactly what the process was. Because what we did get with the kids, I think was very entertaining. I, I love the, the kills and the brutality and they were just, they were vicious and, and, but not even, it was sort of like a gleeful viciousness. Like they didn't even, there was no, Hey, what we're doing is wrong. You know, they just were to them playing, you know, is what it seems like. So, and I love the, the darkness that that implies, but yeah, so there we go. I mean, I really, to me, this film really comes alive in the end and, um, the, the beginning of it doesn't necessarily mesh that well to me but then when things actually start going on then I think it picks up and that's when I get really involved yeah naturally I mean uh there's some some great kills some great silly kills too you know and I always got really upset that they kill Ralph off right away the the men I guess he's mentally handicapped I couldn't tell you for sure but lovely was trying to fuck him for no good reason you know just to see how far she can get you know oh man Seriously, this movie was exploitation all over the place. Yes. Yeah. And let's not forget the, the basically uh, drowning and then the to the torture by Piranha. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah that was awesome. That's part of the film. Piranhas and my coos give me the blues, okay? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hurt the babies, the one said, you know. <laughs> Whether she was kicking her feet in the water. Um... I, I think one of the, the best kills in the film is probably the very first kill you get 
where the, the, the van driver escapes and he, he finds them and they lead him down to the basement and that very psychedelic, very brutal kill of this, this van driver was I think is one of the coolest kills of the film because it, it takes its time really bad. There's some slow motion shots to really show you the impact of what they're hitting him with and I thought that was pretty pretty great. Um, well, they did that in a few of the kill scenes. I mean, just that one was about God, about five minutes long. Something like that. Yeah, Brian was yeah. like, "You really should." He's like, "I don't want to rewind this, but you really should have been timing this." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, it because is, it was very to me, it was long. a little. It was to me, it was too long. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I see what they're going for there. You know, I I just I think it was." It almost felt like long to the point of we're trying our damnedest to pad this shit out is what it just I was like, nah. I mean, because in, you know, like maybe a minute of that and you get impact for, from me, like you get reaction, you get, wow, that's really horrible. You know, five minutes and I'm like, get the fuck. Oh, let's go. Why are we doing this? I definitely get the idea that are just trying to make it is brutal as possible to let you know how just disturbed these kids were but yeah it was fucking overkill yeah and that's why i i think i mean i the sentiment is there and if it hadn't gone on for as long because after a while then it just gets to the point where i can't keep reacting like i can't my emotion for this has given out (laughs) so now let's just can we please move on to something else it's sort of it's like um uh, I don't know. It reminds me of like a, a Seth MacFarlane ah, joke that goes on for like 15 minutes. And then, you know, the idea there being it's funny and then it's so then it goes on for so long. It's not funny. And then it goes on for so long. It's funny again. Um, with this, I never reached the point where it went on for so long. It was horrible again. Like it, it's just like, oh, this is horrible. OK, I'm, this has gone on too long. It's not horrible anymore. And then it just kind of stuck there. And then it <laughs> sort of went into, okay, this has gone on so long, I'm really bored. And, and there's, uh, this is a film where it has plot, plot points that don't go anywhere, and I don't mind them so much. Like, why the fuck is, is Leif Garrett wearing a dress for no good reason? Is he going to try to seduce one of these men in this house or something? I, I don't know. It, it's, it's I don't think that was him. I think that was one of the other little boy. I, I don't... I, I, no, because it said the IMDb notes that he wore a dress several times during this movie. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and he was he was saying, "You'll be mine, Harvey, uh, Henry Beckman or Harvey Beckman." Yeah, did you want to fuck him or something? It was really strange. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't need a lead to explain to me either. It's just a, a lot of that just adds to the absurdity of this film. I mean, the wacky kills. I mean, that them killing off Ralph with that some rig that they 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 put together. I think they stole parts from the car to, to make that noose. And uh, the, the piranha death, which it's telegraphed. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, they could tear the flesh off a man in 1.3 minutes or something. And she didn't like it that he, he fed the piranha these goldfish. And you knew that was going to come into play. And uh, this, the spear in the neck was mentioned. That that's just that kiss came out of left field, and I love it so much. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to climb this ladder and just... Jam this bamboo spear in this woman's neck, and she's dead instantly. And then that, that's fine. <laughs> um, oh, there's there's so much stuff that this it's it's all telegraphed, but it's all it's all stupid fun. 
And I, I'm glad I, I've seen this more than once. I've probably watched it about three times by now. And um, I think this would be a fun commentary. Actually, I'm going to talk to Nudie. <laughs> we'll do this one day. Um, oh, God. Nudie will be bored. Uh, the, 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 um, I think I forget the black kid's name, but there's one black kid who plays the the soldier boy of the group, all the, the crazy military lingo for no reason. And he, I think it was George, cute. wasn't it? <laughs> What's up? Yeah, I think so. Wasn't his name George? I think his name was George, yeah. He was cute. He was cute, yeah. <laughs> I love the sister, the well, the supposed sister. I don't know if she was a nun at all, I couldn't tell you. But I love the churn for, from her wearing the habit to, to wearing like the red, like the red shawl thing. It's almost like she became like the, the the angel of death or something because she became a lot more brutal after she put the, the, the red on. And I think that has some kind of significance in her character. And I, that shocking white hair that you see at the end. Yeah. I, I just found that very strange. I've always found that strange for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, she obviously got scared pretty bad for her hair to go white. So maybe that's why she's turned to religion. Who knows? See, this is these are the questions we want to answer. Oh, that's okay. Yes. <laughs> did, did I mind that the axe bounced off uh, Boss Hog's head when Leif Garrett hit him with it? No, <laughs> I didn't mind it. It was just silly, and I knew it was silly. You know, it was obviously rubber. You know, and they, they didn't care, so I don't care. So, bring out more silly deaths. I, I, I love it. These are the most insecure children on the planet because they, they anything just sets them off. Like the fact that he said that he couldn't split wood. Maybe one of the girls can do a better job. Yada, 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 yada. Like, yeah, fuck you, old man. And then you give this little psychopath an axe and yeah. Yeah, you know, as, as soon as he was out there going, I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> no. Here's another adult gone. Another thing that I liked, uh, the, the other, uh, the traps, the way, um, uh, well, who was it? I think it was. Was it Rick? Yeah, the way he fell into all the traps. That was awesome. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we strategically place these in really obvious spots, and you caught all of them. So let's just dance around your body while you flail around. You know, <laughs> all of us missing. All of us missing was uh, them digging a hole with some leaves over it. He's like, hey, got you again. <laughs> <laughs> what the. The ground, I imagine, was too hard for all that, so... And that was one thing that was pretty great, too. They established that, you know, on the ground, you know, there was no snow, but in the mountains there was, like, 11 inches of snow, so there was that isolation thing going on where they really couldn't get out either, and they were oh, a, slave let to, me tell you. a slave to the generator. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mention but let me tell you, up in Alpine Village, that happens all the time. It could be 80. What we used to do when I was in high school, it would be like, let's say, a nice 60 degrees um, in in L.A. And we would go up to Alpine to do some skiing and we would have snow and and we would go from like wearing shorts to putting on your, your ski suit by the time we were up there. So that was for me, it was very incredible because, you know, I used to hang out up in Alpine Village in the, in the winters. So anyway, There's- one scene when they were driving up the hill at the very beginning in the that big-ass caddy. And I'm like, how the hell can you see? Because the, there was snow covering the driver's side. And then in the next scene, the snow is cleared. Once again, this is me being too literal and too picky. 
It didn't snow on that side of the mountain there, Suzanne. I'm playing. I but it covered the driver's side of the windshield. How do you... You can't see through snow. Thanks, <laughs> Brandon. We, 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 I guess you can when you have an untanned ass like that guy. Because let me tell you... Oh, that, that was definitely some white ass. That was some. Uh, that was an, <laughs> uh, that was the ugliest ass I've ever seen on a man in my life, and you know, I've seen some bad seventies man ass, and that's it's uh, it's up there in the bad seventies man ass uh, aspect. Yeah. Well, at least you didn't get to see Cottontail, so that's all right. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember that conversation. The the pubis Cottontail, yes. <laughs> oh. But um, yeah, this movie was fun. I, I have I have fun every time I watch it. I would go back and watch it again if I didn't like it. Not because we're reviewing, I'd, I'd watch it again because it's just it's just stupid fun, and not a lot of stuff's explained. And I kind of I kind of like it that way. It's like yeah, you can just make up your own interpretation. And uh, but I'll kick it back to Iris and any final thoughts. I'm gonna give it one to ten. Um, final thoughts again. It's just uh, uh more children, less adults. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was entertaining. So I'm going to give this an eight and a half. Cool. Jamie? Uh, I mirror the more children, less adults thing. I, however, cannot mirror that score. To me, it was not that strong. Um, I got into it at the end, but it just... eh. Um, I am going to have to go with six and a half. Cool. Suzanne? It's one of my favorites. I'm going to, I think I'm going to do the eight and a half. Yeah, there's, there's definitely issues with it. And, you know, it was one thing I was, that was in the back of my head was the score was all very goofy. If it had been a little darker, it would, I think it would have given, you know, a little bit more horror vibe to it than, you know, like I said, the, the music was very kooky. And I think it detracted. So yeah, I agree with Jamie there. But I'm still sticking with the eight and a half. It's it's enjoyable. I love the ending. I love it when everybody dies. And yeah, eight and a half. Still one of my favorites. Cool. Um, yeah, for me, I, I, to give an honest score, I mean, I, I have tons of fun with it. But it's 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 about a seven for me. It, it's it's not perfect in any sense, but. The stupidity and the the non fluidity of the film is kind of gives it its charm, in my opinion. So, if you haven't seen Devil Times Five, go uh, seek it out and check it out. Like Suzanne said, it's on one of those Mill Creek packs somewhere, probably on ten of them by now. Uh, you know how they do those things. And uh, Code Red put a D- DVD, and uh, I know there's a Blu-ray out there too, but those are probably both out of print. I couldn't tell you for sure though. I think the DVD may not be but the Blu-ray is. So go check out Devil Times 5, a.k.a. People Toys, uh, at your own leisure. And But right through this, it's uh, Jamie's pick of a film I haven't seen in a long time until now. Um, the Trauma Distributed, The Children from 1980. Right through this. Hey, Paul, what I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. 
I want to put my request, make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing and we have a backstory and, but well, I don't know, that might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks. and Yeah. And, yeah. Well, what about, I like it. Maybe instead of, you know, doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe Ooh. he can, you know, just record a promo for us sometime. Do you think, I, I mean, I, we might have to like raise some money. We can do a Kickstarter and we could just throw it out to like Robert England and, you know, sure, just, sure. just all kinds of actors. And, and I think people will do that. I think. Sure. Why not? Well, you know, what? I don't know. Maybe we're overthinking this whole thing. How about if we just tell people where to find us? I like that. You can find us at Who Will Survive on iTunes, Stitcher, on the Legion Podcast Network, and on the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name. Oh, wait. Can we do it underwater with piranhas killing me? That would kind of be brutal. And if that doesn't work, then you can do the regular promo. All right. Well, just get in the water and I'll go get some fish. All right, cool. full of them from low budget crap fests to downright unwatchable and only two men are willing to watch them all so climb in and take your seat this is short bus cinema let's do it hey everyone this is johnny krug from kruger nation and this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. Well, we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo. Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. They're normal, everyday children. They like playing games and having fun. They're like everybody's children, except that something terrifying happened to them. Pray you never meet them. Jenny, darling, is that you? Mama! Children, rated R. Now playing at the Lakeshore and Washington Drive-In Theaters, plus co-feature the... The Children from 1980. Uh, your cheapo plot synopsis is this. A nuclear plant leak turns a busload of children, well, there was like six of them or something, into murderous atomic zombies with black fingernails. Uh, this stars a whole bunch of B-movie actors that I don't know who the fuck they are. But this is scored by one Harry Manfredini of... Uh, Friday. No missing yet. Yes. <laughs> it's there. I'm uh, I'm going to let uh, Suzanne go first on this one and uh, let us know all about it. What did you think about it? Oh, God. This is just a fun little movie. The first time I saw it, he remembers Commander USA's groovy movies. Ooh, I don't think we had that. No, I never watched it either, but I've seen the versions on YouTube with with that, uh, I think probably with the piss scenes uh, intact. Oh yeah, that yeah, this was where I discovered my love of B horror movies. 
and what it's just got some great elements to it and you know it's like <laughs> i just don't even know where to go yeah, okay you know they're gonna turn evil when their fingernails turn black you know they're okay when their fingernails are normal that was just i think just an added bonus for me because you're just you're not sure whether to laugh or scream and honestly for its time the effects were really good i liked it a lot i mean the 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 fried people were great um you just get a lot of action in this movie the the sheriff and the deputies have to admit when deputy harry died i was very unhappy because i liked him i i just really enjoyed this and you have to cut off their hands okay and they didn't bleed so you just see these scenes of just cut up bodies with no blood which probably was out of the budget after they did those great you know human radiation frying scenes and this also has one of the most spectacular endings ever. There are the, you know, the, I'm going to not here, and I know I'm going first, and I shouldn't do this. But yeah, the, there was a pregnant woman. She drove through the toxic cloud and gave birth to a toxic baby. And you see the black fingernails. And this is another scene where I just start laughing because it's just, it's perfect. Once again, you don't have a happy ending. You have toxic baby. And I was, you know, singing toxic baby songs to myself. I mean, there was something I watched and they were singing about trash can baby. So I was using trash can baby with in substituting toxic baby, toxic radiation baby. Yay, toxic radiation baby. <laughs> there, yeah, this is just one of those, those 70s. What, what year was this? 80. 80, 80 well pretty close but probably, it's probably, just, probably filmed in 78 who knows yeah yeah but it just had that that vibe it just that's one thing it's hard to explain but it was it was kind of cheap but it kind of wasn't cheap in certain spots it was definitely done for a lot of laughs and tried to be extremely serious about it and i really wish they'd taken some of the seriousness in this movie and transferred it to certain parts of devil times five even though i love it but yeah, this is just a fun-ass movie. This is just an afternoon, get a bag of popcorn and a beer kind of movie. This is the movie you share with people who like the same stuff you do. Who? Iris. Oh, for me, I got to see this in the movie theater with Blood Beach. <laughs> oh my God. Nice. Wonderful, wonderful pairing. And first time I watched this, I was like, Oh, this is cool. And me and my little crew that we used to go and watch all these movies, um, we started painting our nails black when we went to school and we were going <laughs> to a private school. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Devil's color, no. <laughs> but yeah, we would walk around with our black painted fingernails. <laughs> so it's stupid. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I was 12. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, this is one of those great movies that I can sit and watch anytime, anywhere. If if it's like on something, I will sit and watch it. And and it's not one of those movies that you know you can turn on and you do stuff. No, you have to sit down and watch it because it's just so good. Um, some of these kills in there, I, like you were saying, the radiation kills were great. The the burns were just amazing, and I think. I remember my 12-year-old self, the very first time I saw it when um, the bus driver 
is in the in the graveyard looking for one of the kids, and he gets burned. I as soon as I saw that, I was like, you know, it, it's it's one of those moments where you you kind of like sit up in your in your in your chair while you're in the movie theater, and you scoot up a little forward. And that is how I spent the rest of that movie <laughs> because it was just so engaging. And I just loved that fact that, you know, it, in the culture I come from as a, as a child, you are, I mean, nobody thinks you're a threat. You're, you're a kid, you know, it's like, it's that I'm an adult, you're a kid, I'm right, you're wrong type of culture. But when you see kids kind of taking the lead like this and just, doing things that these kids were doing it, it just kind of makes you kind of sit up and pay attention and it kind of makes you feel good for some reason I don't know if I'm showing my sociopathy today or not but yeah I really enjoyed the movie I enjoy the kills um, one of the ones one of the kills um, I mean you got ex- you upset when the deputy died mine was when they go after the old lady I was like Oh, the general store lady. I didn't want her to die, but you know. Well, it, she cared about them so much. I know she did. Yeah. She was like, "Oh, it's the children!" Like she was so happy they were alive. And safe. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't go out there. <laughs> it's just oh. like the scene in the fog, you know. Where you know, no stupid old lady, don't open the door, and then you know, Please yeah, yeah, Mrs. Cobritz. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Martin Shacker in this. Uh, he, he's good in the, in the role that he was playing, just trying to keep everybody together and, you know, just... I love <laughs> I him in this only, film. I the really only sane him. person, really, the, the one that knows, no, you've got to take their hands off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't go for the head, it's the hands. <laughs> uh, uh, which I thought was kind of cute, too, because... Uh, as I was watching this again, it was like, oh, interesting. They're they're zombie, kind of zombie, not zombie kids, but they're bad. So you take off their hands instead of their head. Um, and then, of course, the ending, the baby with the little black nails. And I'm like, he's breastfeeding. Shouldn't she be burning? But yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that question, too. Like, can they turn it on and off? Because there's a scene where the little boy lets, lets, I forget, I don't know if it's his brother or whatever it is in the window. Yeah, his brother. And like, yeah. he, he's touching the, the, the curtains to get inside, but they're not burning, which made me really wonder, could they turn it on or off? I, I don't know for sure if they can or not, but it's, this is the children, so I don't care. It's a, it's a great B movie. Well, so. it's like, they had the girl in the backseat of the cop car, and she was fine, then she opened her eyes and her nails turned black. Then she laid back down, the nails went away. And then they turn back and her nails are black and she tries to grab the sheriff. Oh, maybe it's because they were sleeping. So was the baby sleeping while he was like, oh, who knows? But anyway, it's it's good. <laughs> I just I just love this fucking movie, especially at the end when the kids all surround the house and they're, they're like, oh, my God, it's the kids. Oh, yeah, that's great. This is a fucking badass movie. Uh, yeah. So that's me. <laughs> yeah, you need that siege scene in this movie and it works out real well. It does. I just love it. But Jamie, this is your pick, so gush, go for it, girl. Yeah, boy. Uh, well, one other person that's uh, recognizable in this film is Peter Maloney, who plays Frank, like one of those redneck brother guys or whatever. Uh, it's Bennings from The Thing. Oh shit! Gotcha. And um, 
I, every time I see it, I always forget. And every and I've seen this movie a lot. Um, and every time I always forget, I'm like fucking Bennings, like every time. But he doesn't have a big role in here. He just has a weird role, like a weird. I'm lusting after this 16 year old girl role. I, I'm just just bizarre. But um, this movie is so special to me. It's so it it has such a warm place in my heart. I saw this at the drive-in with my family and it stuck with me for, I mean, for years and for years and years and years, no one knew what the fuck I was talking about whenever I was, whenever I would bring up this movie. I'm like, I remember seeing this movie at the drive-in called the children. They had black fingernails and they would burn people and nobody knew what the hell I was talking about for years. And, you know, thank God internet came along and, you know, now these films that were practically forgotten, we all know now because of internet and nerd culture. And it makes me very happy. But I, this is just one of those movies that the experience of watching it, and especially at, at such a young age, because I was six, um, it just sticks with you. And I remember loving it so much as a kid. I just, I love this movie. And this is the movie or this is one of those movies that is perfect for watching on like a Sunday afternoon on a UHF channel. Like, and it's, it just, they would come on, you get like three horror movies on a Sunday afternoon on channel 36 in Atlanta. And, um, <laughs> this is just one of those, that and something like the godsend, which is, um, or just Godsend. I don't know which is that horrible one with Robert De Niro. Uh, Not oh, that one. Oh, oh no, yeah. The I think it was the Godsend with Rebecca Romaine and Greg Kinnear. Oh no. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The oh, that's the one about the cloning, right? Yeah. Is that yeah? I, Not that one. I've seen, There's a British one. I've seen the There's, poster. Okay. To I can't recall the film. I've seen the poster though. Isn't yeah, it? Is, isn't Angela Pleasance in it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've played the... one of those movies. I've been trying. There was a four pack that had it in it, but whenever I go to buy it, they're out of stock. Um, well, we'll make it happen, Suzanne. Let's put it that way. Have you seen it? I've seen bits and pieces of it, okay. and I really want to see actually, it. Um, I have it. I can. Oh, no, I don't. I mean, oh, yes, I do. Um, I have actually three versions of that. I have it on Blu-ray. I have it on DVD. And I have the Elvira um, movie macabre version, which is how I first saw that movie. But anyway, to me, it's it's just right up there with that kind of movie. Those are my favorite movies. And this one with I mean, it makes no damn sense. It really doesn't. You know, why are only the children affected? Why uh, Why does cutting off their hands kill them? I don't know. Um, why, you know why, what is with them burning people? I don't know. Like, I, it, I don't care. It doesn't matter. We've got a Harry Manfredini score, which is awesome. And one of my favorite sound effects is that scream when you cut off their hands. Particularly <laughs> that scene in the barn where he goes in and just starts just dealing death and you get that, just that, that chorus of, of I'm dying screams from these creatures. It is kind of horrifying in a really good way. Uh, I love Billy, the sheriff. He's a, he's a fantastic character. And I love that when he realizes how shitty of a parent 
that one bitches that he picks up her her pot and he's just like, oh, this is interesting. And then just dumps it right in the pool. I'm like, <laughs> now that's illegal. You could just arrest her, but <laughs> no, <whatever. that's> just... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. And I, like I said, the, the mom who doesn't care and her muscle bound boyfriend. Yeah, that was just strange. It was very strange. And the fact that she just is being so callous about her daughter to the sheriff, you know, I mean, she doesn't give a shit. And she's not even pretending to give a shit. Um, and that's just okay. I also love the fact that Frank, um, <laughs> his daughter burns him on his hand. Like he goes at she, you know, she grabs hold of his hand oh, yeah. and burns him. And then he pulls away and he actually survives. And then her mom is like, that's my little girl. And he's basically like, fuck her. Did you see what she did to me? Kill that little bitch. You know, <laughs> like way to go. Like, I, you know, because it, I understand when parents are reluctant to dispatch their children regardless of what's wrong with them. I, you know, and I understand that, you know, or even, you know, husbands and wives or, or kids with parents, you know, you don't want to kill your loved one, even though, you know, deep down that they are no longer your loved one. And I understand that. And I think that can be a very powerful emotion. But at the same time, I always love it when a character recognizes that this is shit that's got to be done. Yeah, but in some other movie, it'd be a real emotional scene of, she's not your little girl anymore, and yada, yada, yada. Right. It'd be like Shaun of the Dead. This doesn't play that game. No, it doesn't. It doesn't waste any fucking time. He's like, no, (laughs) she's not my daughter. Fuck her. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, I dig that. I just, I love, I love him. I love his character. And, uh, and then of course we get that little, we get the ending. And to me, that is the best ending that this movie could possibly have. I, I just think it's, it's now it's, it's one of those that today it's not really like you see it and you're like, yeah, that's about right. Like it doesn't, it's not shocking today because we've seen that ending you know, um, but for back then, I think that that was really good. I, I remember it. Of course, I was only six. I didn't have a whole lot of experience with, with, <laughs> with horror film endings. Um, some, but not, um, not like today, obviously, but I remember that sticking with me. It's, it stuck. So it wasn't, a, it was very effective and I think it still is. And I have the poster for this movie hanging up in my house. So it's, this is, um, which by the way, it's a fantastic poster. I absolutely love the poster for this film. Um, it, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that I brought it up. I was excited to talk about it. And I was also very pleased because I posted on Facebook when I was watching it and I got a lot of positive feedback from other horror fans about this film. And that always makes me happy because, this one could have slipped into obscurity, but thankfully it, it, it really hasn't. And that makes me happy. Um, what did I say about this film? It's, it's, it's a cheese fest people. I mean, the, the effects are, are, are wonderful for what you see. Like I said, this is distributed by trauma. You know, from what I've seen, this is what I was eating. If anything trauma was putting out. And this was a, a DVD that I seen at blockbuster and I picked it up and, yeah, like I said, the small generational gap amongst us is is very real, people. But uh, uh, 
the effects themselves are, are, are stuff that you can get at the fucking grocery store. And that's fine. I mean, those are the effects that I learned when I was younger. And the effects that you can, you can learn. I recommend anybody who's like a young filmmaker who wants to make a low-budget horror film to go pick up uh, Lloyd Coffin's Everything you need to know about filmmaking, learn from Toxic Avenger, and make your own damn movie because those are important tools of the trade in those those in those those things to to learn how to do how to make you know cheap effects you know on a budget, especially here where all it is is gelatin and caro syrup and like red dye number whatever that that's that's all it is you know let's say you make simple effects that that look great and these the burning effects. Were, were really great in in this film for I'm sure the the minuscule budget that they had. Um, <laughs> the opening of this film, uh, these kids are on the bus and they just stay. How long are they fucking on this bus? By the way, they just finished a whole chorus of 100 bottles of beer on the wall, and they they're starting another song. So these kids are on this bus for a long time, obviously. And uh, oh, I wrote, I wrote a note down, you know, because <laughs> I I was stuck with one of those bull haircuts. And I thought I was gonna kill somebody too, so. I always wish I had nuclear hands when I had that disgusting bull hair cut back in the day, too. Just, you know, goodbye, non-creative parents, you know. Uh. <laughs> Later it came to be known as the Lawrence haircut. Yes. For all the, every Lawrence kid had that fucking haircut. <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. Uh, and the kills are fun. They're, it's really simple. These kids have this terrible... But maniacal smile on their face, and they're literally, literally hunting out their parents. I'm not sure what they're getting out of this, except for like, hey, nuclear power made me want to kill my parents. That that kind of deal. But you think they would just be after anybody at this point? But um, yeah, it, I like the the simplicity of this film. You you, you get to see a whole lot, but when they showed up, they did. And apparently, it's always good to have a a samurai sword in the house. Because I was going to come up with like, look, I got this back in my days in Okinawa. You know? you know what's the best is when he first put, when Billy first pulls that off the wall, you don't, we don't yet know the thing about the hands. Mm-hmm. He is just randomly pulling a sword off the wall to go after a kid. I think that is the best thing ever. I mean, I mean you know, it's not like in Gremlins where you see the swords fall off the wall for like like two or three times in the film. You expect them to use it at some point in the film. This guy just has a samurai sword just hanging around the house, you know, and just ready to use. And he happens to know, much like in the, 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 the um, Fallen Kingdom Jurassic World movie, just how to do it right at that point. Like, fuck it, I'm going to cut the fucker's hands off. It's like, yeah, but there it is, you know. That's how you stop them, and then they hilariously fall on the floor, and they're no longer black nails anymore. You know, um, yeah, the the manicness of this movie, the, the, these these parents, like you guys mentioned, the, the the part with the old lady, the the the, the, the shopkeeper, <laughs> just look at his face. It's like, yeah, the children are alive. Come on in, children. You're thinking, like, no, lady, no. It's a stupid idea. You know. Especially when you, they, they, she kind of found that the children were kind of shady already, but she was just really excited to see these children. And they were really excited to see her, apparently, too. You know? Um, yeah, the stinger at the end. It's been done other ways. You know, in other films, I mean, Humanoids has a great stinger like that at the end where, you know, of course, the the alien pops out of the belly. and I mean, the, the, I mean, the fish man pops out of the belly. Same shit. Same stolen directly. But, uh, um, 
I love end scenes like that. Like, yep, it's not over, but unfortunately we never got a sequel to this movie. But um, Sherman did other great killer kids movies. Uh, Beware Children at Play is... Beware Children at Play, yes. That yes. hilarious. I love that fucking movie. Awful in some people's eyes. Awesome in my eyes. It's just really creepy fucking shit. Uh, not a killer kid movie, but it has grannies eating kids. Rabid grannies is hilarious. I, I love it still. And uh, good stuff. But um, this one's great. Uh, nuclear power, just just making kids crazy, and uh, that worked in this time to say, hey, you know, we have nuclear power plans, and you know. You've seen the China Syndrome, right? You've seen... Well, yes. well we, we've watched Silkwood. <laughs> we, we know all about Silkwood, you know. But, um, yeah, that was all over. This was, Yeah, this is going to make your kids go crazy. But that was all over all kinds of trauma films, though. Toxic waste will make you into a superhero. Toxic weed will make you turn into a fucking uh, subhuman. It's good stuff. Yay, trauma. Yay, yay, yay. Yay the children. Children's a good time. And I, I recommend it to anybody if you haven't seen it yet. So uh, I'll kick it to Suzanne. Ask her any final thoughts. And um, what's your rating, 1 to 10? Oh, God. This is just a fun movie. Like I said, this goes back to me being a kid and watching Commander USA and seeing classics like this. It's uh, just fun. And there's not a dull moment in the movie. It just keeps going and going and going. So yeah, I'm I'm at an eight, eight and a half. I love this movie. Cool, Iris. Oh, dude, this is a ten for me. I've always enjoyed this movie. Um, there is nothing in this movie that I do not enjoy or love to, or not love to rewatch over and over again. Um, I don't know if it's something that goes back to my childhood when I watch this the first time, or if it's just, you know, to me this movie. Uh, at the time, it, it still holds itself. It's still good, you know. It, it sure you don't have a whole bunch of CGI, but who needs it when you have the effects that it does, the practical effects? So, yeah, this is a ten for me. I love this movie. Cool, Jamie. I'm right there with Iris. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, it uh, has, yeah. I mean, it's one of my earliest theatrical, even though it was a drive-in. Um, memory uh horror film memories and i you know how i feel about those they kind of made me who i am so this is included with that so yeah 10 for me too cool yeah i'm not quite there in the 10 range i'm, I'm more in the the, the 8 range I, I do enjoy it and i do love i do love b movie fair like this and uh yeah it's good stuff eight out of ten go, go check go check out the children it used to be on YouTube, like in full, like the regular version. But I think uh, Uncle Lloyd's trying to make you spend that three bucks a month on Troma now to watch it, which still isn't a bad bargain to to, to watch it on on there. And uh, I think you get early releases and stuff sim- similar to um, Charlie Band's Full Moon streaming. But he's got a whole lot more in there now. That's it's an insane library on there now. So I rec- I'm gonna get that back again. I think the Full Moon streaming. I didn't mention that, but I watched I watched the first three Transfers films uh, within the last week or so, and those those first three are really good. I can't really recommend the the medieval uh, Jack Death movies because those are kind of stupid. But here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it for this one. We're right back to with the talk about some dead folks and uh, right, uh close out the show. 
terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. Ah, next in the segment, we talk about some dead folks known as the Butcher's Block. Um, I, we talked about them briefly, me and Suzanne last time on the show, but um, uh, we, uh, we all know that Harlan Ellison passed away, and I don't know if we're, we're going to do a review or not, so I'm going to kick it to the ones that didn't talk about them last time, uh, Jamie and Iris, so I'll start with Iris first, uh, what you thought on, on the great Harlan Ellison. <laughs> Uh, the Harlan Ol- I didn't even know that he was done. Um, what did he do? I'm sorry. <laughs> he was a writer. Oh, he was a writer? Yeah. Oh, um, well. A boy anytime- and his dog. Ah, okay. Well, anytime uh, a writer goes away, there is, I think, in my opinion, there is a huge um, hole that is left in humanity we will never see um, that person's opinion or their way of seeing how this world, you know, their interpretation of this world. And uh, to me, anytime, like, I, it makes me sad because there is this unique vision that has is gone. And now with him gone, uh, we will never see, you know, his how he writes about the world and, and what he sees. And a boy and his dog. That is a, a a good book. It's a, a to me a classic. So um, I'm kind of upset that I didn't know he had passed. So yeah, that's a real bummer. Okay, Jamie. Yeah, this one. Um, I mean, he was old. He he was uh, old. Um, yeah, I saw but... him a couple of years ago, and he he looked like a corpse. Yeah, it. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me. It, it wasn't like it wasn't one of those deaths where I was like, oh, my God, I didn't see it coming, you know, because it's just one of those you knew was on the horizon. But it uh, yeah, it, it always makes me sad. Still, I do. I am a fan of his work um, will always be. And, um, you know, we're not getting any more, which is sad. But, you know, we have what he left behind. And that's, you know, that's. Uh, not a bad thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have no opinion like I did last time. I, I'm, not, I'm not. I've never been really that much of a a reader per se all the way, and, unless I was in like middle school and into like the first part of high school. After that, it was all it's all clouded by bong resin and too many cheap beers at that point. But uh, <laughs> there you go. Um. I think next up, and it's, it's, it's important to mention this guy, and I didn't mention him last time, but he, he was a Navy man, so th- this is kind of a, a, a deal here. If you ever watched the show Pawn, Star- Pawn Stars, there was a one on there they called Old Man. Uh, Richard Harrison uh, died as well. Um, he, he was old, too, at this reason they called him Old Man. But um, he was that, that old guy on Pawn Stars who was just always hanging around and cracking jokes at his son and his grandson and of course the the bumbling chum lee and uh 
like I said, he was a Navy guy, and I I, I always appreciate people in the service and people maybe laugh because I, I he's one of the reasons I tuned into the show. I watched I watched the show a whole lot. I don't watch so much anymore, but when it was first going, I, I watched it a whole lot, and he was one of the reasons why he was there. Uh, any <laughs> I need to ask this question. Any Pawn Stars fans in this group? I, I know you guys watched the show probably at some point in time. No, it was one of those. It was if there was nothing else on, I'd put it on until I get annoyed. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen one frame. Really? Yeah. I just thought it was kind of hard to avoid. Like American Pickers was kind of hard to avoid. <laughs> you know, that I've seen a lot of. Yes. You know, that and um, and uh, Storage Wars. Um Yeah. I've seen a shit ton of that show, but I never watched the pawns, and even not like hardcore pawn, never watched it. Oh. The guy from that, the guy from that show, is one of my customers. I love the ghetto fabric really? people on pawn. He's a he's a regular customer of mine, and I've never seen the show. <laughs> Which one, uh, Les or, or Seth, the, the 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 son or the father? The father. The father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the ghetto fabulous people on hardcore pawns so much. It's a, I know it's a lot of it's probably staged, but I love ghetto people and that they're 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 in spades on that show. It's amazing. <laughs> Not so much on Pawn Stars, but you know, there you go. <laughs> what about you, Iris? Um, I have to kind of mimic here. I, I have not seen that show. I've heard about it, and then of course, you know, dude in the news getting busted but um yeah. <laughs> yeah i'd have to say that's probably the most i've i've seen or heard fair enough uh last but certainly not least uh there's four bigs in, in the in the the actual lot of marvel comics you had john romita senior you had uh jack kirby the guy that takes credit for everything stan lee and of course uh the guy that passed away this week uh well last week uh steve ditko who, Spider-Man. yes, indeed, Spider-Man, and uh, Doctor Strange as well, you know, I mean, Kirby gave an original idea for Spider-Man that was, was shut down by Stan Lee, but then Ditko gave it a go at it and gave, gave basically, this, not the Spider-Man you see today, because he's, he's entirely different now, although I really enjoy, if there's anything I enjoy about Spider-Man Homecoming is that they, they gave him little Ditko quips, like the, the webbing underneath his, his, uh, his arms, stuff like that, so you can kind of glide a bit, you know, because you kind of got that with the Ditko, original Ditko Spider-Man, and he gave you all those great characters that made up the Spider-Man universe, J. Jonah Jameson, Mary Watson, Mary Jane Watson, uh, Electro, all those great villains that you see on, on your cartoon screens and TV shows and movies today. Ditko was the man, Ditko created them, and, uh, he uh, he also worked for for DC and a couple other comic labels. So if you if you don't know who Steve Ditko is, you really do because every every little kid knows who Spider Man is, even if you don't know who Doctor Strange is. But Spider Man was was Ditko's uh was baby his baby. You see that Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, Spider Man's first appearance. That's that's Steve Ditko doing the cover and the art and. Those were some real Renaissance men back in those days. I mean, Romita Ju- John Romita Jr. is doing still still doing comics to this day, but his father's long past. So uh, the, the <laughs> of the big four again, <laughs> Stanley still lives. People, <laughs> but, 
I'll kick it to uh, Suzanne first. Uh, if you don't know the man, you know his work. Uh, how, how do you feel about this? Oh, I remember watch. I, I used to love Spider-Man comics. Spider-Man was my guy when I was a kid, and I was I was shocked. Well, not really shocked, but I was I was very sad because once again, there's just another era that's just almost completely gone now, and there's never going to be another. And I, I, maybe it's just me being nostalgic, but I just I, I miss that. I miss the old guard. I miss the the fact that everything that we have now was started by them. We wouldn't have it. It wouldn't have come as far as it has. So yeah, it's just it's it's so sad. Although the X Men were very popular back in the day, they was really didn't really come to life until the seventies happened. But you know, I digress. Uh, one of the biggest things, saddest things about this is this is one of those people who never had children, so they had to find him dead like three days after, so nobody really cared for him at 90 years old. And that that makes me even more sad as a comic fan. And, and uh, That's horrible. Yeah, it was a bad scene. But uh, Iris, what, what, oh, what do you think, God. Carl? Oh, man, Spider-Man um, was also another favorite of mine. I remember watching the Spider-Man cartoons when I'd get home from school after I was done with my homework and the one from you know, the 60s heck yeah Spider-Man Spider-Man I had, Spider -Man. I had such a crush on him yeah right yeah and it was I think he started my mask thing that and Lone Ranger they're responsible for my <laughs> mask thing oh well okay then noted um but <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh no I I really enjoyed you know, the, the Spider-Man comics and or, you know, our Sunday paper, the L.A. Times used to have um, the Spider-Man serial comics. And, uh, you know, that was the first thing I went to as a kid. Um, it, it's kind of sad to think that, um, you know, it was they had to he had no one and he was dead for a while before somebody even figured out that he had passed. Um, that's a little sad, but, you know, um like you said about the writer, Jamie, we have his works, and that is how we will have to celebrate him and enjoy him from now on. Cool. Jamie, uh, mask obsessor. Now that I know that, it's kind of amazing. Uh, what do you think, girl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's why Jason is my favorite serial killer. I don't know. Um, he reminds me of Spider-Man. I remember when I, saw part, when I saw part three in the theater... As long as he had the mask on, I was like, that guy's hot. <laughs> <laughs> then he takes off the mask, not so much. But anyway, um, with Ditko, I, God, that breaks my heart. I Knowing that, because I didn't realize that. But now knowing that he was, it took, I mean, that just, that is terrifying to me. And, and very sad. Because especially someone with such a legacy and uh, who was such an incredible influence to, to know that even someone like that can be lost and no one realize it, that is, that's very sad. I mean, not, not, not just the heroes, but the way he drew, like, cityscapes and stuff, you know, like the, li mm -hmm. the little the little touches I mean, people still use today. You know, I remember um, getting a book from the library, I think, and they still, they still, it's still, they're still printing it today. It's from the 70s, I think, and they've had, like, several reprints. Uh, how to draw with Marvel, how to draw like Marvel or something. 
And they, they would show you a lot of those Ditko techniques, you know, about city perspectives and like how, how to sh how to shape, you know. I mean, I hear, cause I, just, I hear always, I'm, I've never been great at this, but like I hear drawing hands is like one of the hardest things as an artist. And they showed you how to do all that in this book. And I'm sure Ditko had a big influence on how that book was written because it's very detailed. And you could pick it up on Amazon right now for like $9 if your kid ever wants to know how to draw heroes and stuff. It's all in there. And it's kind of perfect. So, But yeah, the little touches that he would do, I, a lot of the artists will use it today, even even now, if you look at comics now and comic back in those days, they've gone from <laughs> from 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 pulp fair to wow, because, you know, they, they, they get a lot more elaborate now. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jamie, continue. Um, no, I mean, I um, I never really was in. Okay, I didn't have any direct impact from him that I was aware of until later on. You know, so it's like he's one of those that was impacting my world, but I never realized who who it was or who he was responsible for because I didn't dig that deeply into things, but. Um, now like looking back and, and learning what he was responsible for, then it's just like, wow, that's, that's pretty, he was pretty awesome and that's pretty sad. But, and I, I also echo Suzanne's sentiment about uh, the old guard. It's just, I mean, everyone has to go, but we're getting to that age where we're seeing all the people that we looked up to as we were growing up you know dropping and that does a lot of things one it makes you very sad <laughs> um just because that they're gone and they, and they had such an impact on you but also it sort of brings to light your own mortality and um that we're getting closer and that's I'm like shit you know so it's just I don't know. Every time I it just seems to be happening so much lately, and I don't know if it's because I'm just of that age where I pay attention to this stuff more. But um, yeah, it's it it's just seems to be it, it's like it's rolling and it won't stop. And I'm like, stop killing people. Just <laughs> give me a fucking break. <laughs> just um, yeah. Anyway, but it also does make you appreciate more the ones who are still there. So. Oh yeah, for sure, and uh. That's about it for this one for uh, the death segment. And uh, I'll kick it to Iris and tell us uh, what she got coming up. Oh, well, um, we at uh, um, Theme Warriors, uh, we are trying to see, like, for July, uh, we have two themes going on right now where we still have to lock it down. But one of them is uh, movies with fireworks in them. That fireworks are, you know, like... Uh, move the plot, like let's say Vendetta, or movies that uh, have some sort of revolution in them, like Reds. So we still need to figure out what, what, what we're going to do there. V but, for Vendetta uh, has both. Yes! <laughs> it sure does, isn't it? So, yeah, either I, I, Vendetta's going to be on, on it, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Somebody's going to pick Vendetta for either one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, that's where we're at and well, hopefully we can, uh, figure out what we're going to be doing and, uh, nail down a date. Okay. Uh, Suzanne. Oh, it's that time of the year and it's shark movie time over at NFW. Said last week we did Cruel Jaws. The week before that we did The Reef. 
And our upcoming movies are Bait and Shark Night. So stay tuned for those. Cool. Jamie. Well, we just recorded a new episode of the ABCs of Hidden Horror. So we have episode R that's going to be coming out hopefully this week. I had intended to get it out this past week, but I um, honestly just was working way too much. I had no time. So hopefully with the, I'll be able to get that produced and out sometime this week because I'm very excited about getting this our episode out and um, I think one of these reviews in particular is kind of hilarious so and I will give a slight spoiler and that is that we have our very first example of someone outright not liking someone else's suggested film Woo! and I mean outright not liking it at all <laughs> And that has never happened before. We've usually, even if they're not like, yeah, you know, it's not, I won't watch it again, but like, I appreciate this about it, you know, or, or maybe I'll watch it a few years down the road. No, this is a flat out, I don't like this movie at all. I thought I was being punked, you know, by the <laughs> fact that you suggested this film. And that has never, ever happened before. So um, that should be, I, I think it's hilarious. Like it, it, the whole thing cracked me up. So um, we've got that coming. Uh, also, uh, every Wednesday, Married with Children podcast drops, and uh, this Wednesday will be no different. And uh, we should be having an Evil Episodes coming out at some point, but scheduling has been difficult right now. But I think we're going to be trying to record that one in this upcoming week, so we'll see what happens. Uh, fair enough. Uh, this show and uh, the two Drink Venom commentaries can both be found on LegionPodcast.com. Um... Come check out the Facebook group. Um, we're there posting stuff sometimes. Uh, if you guys want to post some feedback, always uh, appreciated. Um, thanks to Bo and everybody at LegionPodcast.com, of course, for uh, working so hard to get shows out and producing shows, and Bo for, for paying for the hosting fees. Again, I'll never ask for fucking Patreon, because I know what side my bread is buttered on, and that's, that's Bo Ransdale. Bo Ransdale pays for that shit. So thanks, Bo. You're awesome. So if I send somebody some money, send Bo some money. Bo, Bo, uh, Bo runs the show. And, um, allows us to put out silly podcasts like this. Um, Twitter at GW, Twitter at Cenevieve Cast. Um, if you're in Chicago towards the end of August. No, 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 beginning, beginning of August is this year. It's a lot earlier this year. Uh, Flashback Weekend is happening at the Crown Plaza Hotel there in Rosemont. Right, right there by the airport. Uh, I'll be there for at least one day. Uh, Suzanne is probably going to be there too because I'm going to force her to go. I don't care if she, she don't want to go or not. Like, hey, Brad Dorf, Suzanne, you're going. You're going, girl. Oh, I know. It's. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to. But you're going to go. You're going to go for sure. <laughs> I know you. Want, I know you want to meet him. So you're going to go for sure. Yeah, I know. Like I guess I just don't know if I'm going to be able to afford it. Yeah. We'll, work, we'll, we'll, we'll work it out. But um. Yeah, that show and possibly a horror hound chaser in Indianapolis at the end of that month. I'm thinking about it. They had a lot of cool guests, including Billy Zane they just added. So if you, if you do horror cons, and I know some of you do, and you, some of you are in my area, uh, come hang out. We'll have a beer or something. It'd be really good times. Um, that's about it for this one. And always remember here at the Sin Beef Podcast, if you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. Beat on the front, beat on the front, beat on the front.